Good morning. I'd like to welcome everybody here on this Lord's Day. I appreciate everybody's help or presence so much. I like this first uh, page of the PowerPoint where we welcome everybody to the Mulvane Church of Christ. And I was complaining about my computer running so slow, but I got to thinking it's about a 2007 or 8 model, so that's ancient. And when it comes to computers, but uh, it still runs all right, and uh, we still get stuff up on the screen, so I guess I'm okay with that. Well, I appreciate another opportunity to bring this lesson this morning, and what I did, <clears throat> must have 200 sermons in this old computer, and I brushed off an old one, and I spent quite a bit of time on it, so it wasn't all that easy. And uh, it had to do with a sermon I did about uh, what the church needs from its leaders. So you might think I'd be talking only to elders, and why are we preaching that? We don't have any elders. Well, we have uh, leaders in this church, and that's something we all can help with. Everyone here can be a leader for Christ. And that's what I want this sermon to be about, is things we can do to help. But, uh, you know, we meet once a month in a business meeting. Those are all leaders there trying to do what we need to do. The uh, ladies meet and uh, have uh, Sunday school classes organized and uh, work on their lessons and stuff. Those are all leaders also. We all can be leaders for Christ, and that's what we want to talk about. First turning here this morning to Romans chapter 12, it talks about uh, leaders and the attitude they should have. Really, it's a lesson about Christians and what the attitude they should have. Romans chapter 12, let love be without hypocrisy. It says, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving presents to one another, not lagging in diligence and fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So definitely, instructions for leaders, but it's also instructions for all Christians, isn't it? And the attitude we should have and what we should do for the church. Well, I have here, I think, five different points I think people should have, Christians should have, and you'll see the comment of leaders should have. So you know what I'm referring there when I say leaders. Leadership needs to be those who really care. Christians need to have a great concern and a great care. We just read in verse 9 there about how it should be without hypocrisy. That means you need to be sincere. It's not something that you're just saying, you're also something that you're doing. And people can tell that. I was talking to Brother Perry not too long ago, and we were talking about how it's so important to not only say the right things, but to do the right things. We'll talk a little more about that later on. But that's being hypocritical if you're going to scold somebody, but then not adhere to that same scold yourself without hypocrisy. James in chapter 2 they're reading in verse uh, 15 uh, through 17. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and if one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which they are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, it does not have works. 
If it does not have works, it is dead. That's the type of hypocrisy that the Bible talks about, somebody who really doesn't care. They want to act like they're caring for something, but in the end, they're not caring for something. It says here that faith by itself, and if it does not have works, is dead. That's something we need to remember. We talk about uh, uh, one who really cares is one who is concerned for others. He is without selfishness. Uh, John wrote First John chapter 3, verse 17, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So John asked that question, and we need to ask that of ourselves. What are we doing? What can we do to really care? We have a great lesson for us in the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And there the Bible tells us this story. <clears throat> may have been something that really happened. But it's a story that illustrates a great point. How these upstanding citizens one by one came by this man in desperate need for help. And then the Samaritan, the one who was considered outside he did the right things for this person. He's the one who bandaged his sores. He's the one who paid for his uh, accommodation at the end. The Good Samaritan is a good example for us. And that's your homework assignment today. Read Luke chapter 10. Review that story again and what a great lesson for that is for us today. Leadership also are those who will encourage one another and boy, today we need this more than ever. We need people who are encouraging people to walk straight on a narrow path. We need people who encourage one another to continue in the faith, through great trials and difficulty. Back in uh, the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, talks about uh, how we need to comfort and how we need to edify, do our best to encourage people. And uh, there it says, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. You know, sometimes just being there for somebody is enough to comfort them. You know, and then when you talk to them, you try to explain things in the light of God's word in a gentle manner. Those things are all very helpful, very encouraging. And that's what we need to do today to help people out. You need to encourage and also exhort those who come about us and who we have, and everybody needs some exhortation from time to time. Reading now in Hebrews chapter 3, I want to start reading in verse 12. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's why we have to be careful. It tells us to beware. <clears throat> and we want to do what we can to help others avoid this. Encourage and exhort others to avoid this evil world that is about us and is causing trouble for everybody. You know, if we're being good leaders and good Christians in this church and doing for others, we need to also stir people up and keep them excited about the faith. You ever seen somebody who's become kind of dull in the faith? They attend every Sunday and they kind of show up. Don't really say much. They're kind of quick to leave. You know, they need to be stirred up. They need to be encouraged in the faith also. They need to be, have a zeal for this Christian faith, this great hope that we all have within us. Hebrews chapter 10, 
They're reading in verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as in the matter of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Brothers and sisters, we need that today, don't we? We need to exhort people. We need to help them so that they are not forsaking the assembly in this time of trial. Consider people. <laughs> see, see what they might need. And then do your best to use that to stir them up for the cause of Christ. You know, we have some great examples in the New Testament. Barnabas is one of them. And we see him called a son of encouragement in Acts chapter 4 when we're introduced to him. And uh, there in verse 36, and Joseph, who is also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. So those apostles were working with this man Barnabas, and they decided to change his name. Uh, they wanted him to be uh, so excited. They were so excited about what he was doing, they called him a son of encouragement. What a great name to give a man here in the cause of Christ. Also in Acts chapter 9, talking about Barnabas again, but Barnabas took him, it brought him to the apostles. Who did he take? Took the apostle Paul when he was called Saul. And they took him to the apostles. And they had heard about this man. They heard that he was persecuting the church. Well, Barnabas took him aside and introduced him to the church in Jerusalem. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. That he had spoken to him. And how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So we see... Barnabas encouraging Paul greatly, new Christian in the faith that God had great plans for. We see that Barnabas is the one who got him going and got the trust of those which he badly needed to continue in his work in the Christian church in that first century. So leaders in the church need to be those who will encourage those to do what's right for the cause of Christ. The other thing we talk about from time to time is unity. And people in the church need to encourage others to be named, remain united. And uh, this is how the devil is most effective, in my opinion. Might be changing now with all this uh, COVID virus going on. He's been pretty effective in discouraging many with that. But I've always thought the devil works within churches now. And one thing that he does very effectively is he tries to destroy unity. And he gets these factions going back and forth. Sometimes they go on for years and years. Well, leadership are ones who would want uh, unity in a church. Going to the Old Testament here first. In Isaiah chapter 55, they're reading in verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we need to understand that the things of the Lord, the things of our Creator, are something that we need to yield to, something we need to accept, because after all, they're a lot higher than the needs that we have, and uh, we need to understand that, and uh, that's part of unity. Psalms chapter 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. We can see that we can ask for help from our Lord and Savior. And uh, here we have this promise that they will help, God will help us 
and uh, he will guide us in what we need to do. Also in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, talking, encouraging us to get understanding. Something that needs to grow within us, this idea of understanding what people are. and Put ourselves in their place and do our best to understand their situation. That will help a lot with unity. It says, get wisdom, get understanding, Proverbs 4, verse 5. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Something we need to strive to achieve. An understanding of people. And that will help in our growth and will help with our unity. There's something that you don't see much in a sermon. It talks about negotiation. I mean, we're not to yield, right? Not to yield the word of Christ. We're supposed to work with people. We have many examples of that. We have to do our best to get them to understand the way that they should go. And sometimes that involves a little bit of negotiation. I could preach a whole sermon on this whole idea of negotiating and getting things so that people, we can uh, do better and be more profitable and be more profitable for Christ. We even have examples in the New Testament of the apostles trying to work with people and do the best they can to get them to understand. Let's go to Luke chapter 14. We have a story here of kings, and it was a story that was told in, in the Gospels here about some kings going back and forth and looking at the situation and deciding what best to do. There in verse 31 it says, Oh, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who has comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. That's how you begin a negotiation. You have to see what the other person wants. That's why I've always told everybody that when I was negotiating all these big contracts, it didn't have anything to do with what I said. What I first had to do is hear what they wanted. And then I'd know which way to go. And uh, that's something very hard are very easy for us to try to do. We listen more, and then we understand the best things we should go. I think negotiation could help us with our unity and help us in the way that we should go. Also, leaders need to be involved with those who are working to improve their lives in the Lord Jesus Christ. We get some help from that. We know that the Lord is there with us. He's involved in our lives. He might seem very detached from us, but in fact, he's involved in our everyday life. And we need to be responding to him in that way. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to let him be involved in our life. When Hebrews chapter 1, interesting verses here, talks about ministering spirits. There in chapter 1, verse 14, it says, talking about angels, they are not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. So he asks in that rhetorical question, are they not all ministering spirits? And he talks about how they are sent forth to help us or to minister for those who will inherit salvation. We have God involved in our lives in all different ways. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about a more mysterious way, maybe a more intriguing way, but it's comforting to me to know that God is involved in our lives and he sent some help for us especially if we ask for it. Another thing, probably one of the key things that has to help with unity is this idea of trust. And that's usually where things start falling apart. 
when you start not trusting somebody. When you decide that person is untrustworthy, whether you're right or wrong, when you decide that idea and you have no trust with them, things are going to fall apart. One thing we can be sure of, that we have trust in God. In Psalms chapter 9, they're reading in verse 9 through 10, the psalmist writes, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name, that means God's name, will put their trust in you, for you. Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And that's a true statement. The Lord will never forsake you. You can place your trust in him, and he will be with you to the end. Trusting in the Lord will help in unity, helps you keep the proper perspective. And then finally, when we talk about unity, it has to do with your attitude. They're reading in Romans 12 and verse 18, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's something we need to strive to do. To do our best to be peaceable. Do our best to live with all men in a peaceable way. Bible verses tell us that depends on you and how you're going to act. We need to remember that. Uh, unity depends on understanding, negotiation, involvement, trust. Depends a lot on you and your attitude. Unfortunately, we know some who do not want unity at all. Reading in Romans chapter 16 and 17, and I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. We've all seen that, haven't we? Haven't we seen people or come in contact with people? They're doing their best to mix things up and tear things apart, cause divisions, cause separation. Unfortunately, that's how it all starts. There's people who don't want unity. Reading in Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 4, it says, The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back that was driven away, nor sought that which was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Here in Ezekiel 34, he's talking about the shepherds of the flock. Encourage you all to go to Ezekiel 34 and read those verses about the shepherds that were not doing as God would have them to do. And talked about how they were actually acting contrary. They were supposed to be guarding this flock. But here we have them uh, causing people to be driven away. Unfortunately, that happens in churches today. The shepherds aren't guarding the flock. They're just disparaging the flock, and the flock is being driven away. We need to be careful about that. We see in 1 Peter chapter 5, talking about elders and how not to be, there in verse 1, the elders who are among you I exhort. I also am a fellow elder, Peter talking here, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the, Christ, when the chief shepherd appears, 
you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That's the way elders and leaders need to be shepherding the flock, not to be one who want to gain something dishonestly from it, not to be those who uh, are not being, uh, they're lording over the flock or domineering over the flock, but more so serving examples, living their life as best they should. Uh, continuing there in First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Likewise, younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Good lesson to remember there. Those short verses quoting from the Old Testament. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So leadership, all of us, need to be those who want unity in this flock. Also, we need to have leaders that are active in the flock. We need to have people that aren't just sitting in the pews but are trying to do things for the flock. And we have a simple chart here about active members or active leaders or or persons who do things. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10 Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. How about that? Have you thought about that? You just waste, what if you're just wasting your time here attending church? What if you're not doing anything? <clears throat> you're, you're, taking, you're, you're not taking advantage of what God has given you. And consider this, pretty soon it's all going to be over. This life is short. Everyone will tell you that. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10 tells you that. You're not going to be able to do anything on this earth when you're in the grave. So take advantage of the time you have before you. People that are leaders in a church need to be active, need to be doing things. Also, we know that if you're doing things, you need to do good for others. There in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliest of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's the attitude we need to have. Here Paul writing Philippians talking about this attitude. We need to consider others better than us. We need to think of others with esteem. Keep ourselves lowly in mind. Not seek any of this because we're selfish or because of the conceit that we have in our hearts. We need to do for others, as, as opportunities present, do good for others. You know, let's not complain about it. We're doing this work for Christ. Why would we murmur about things? Flip, Paul in writing Philippians continues there in verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing. It tells you a lot about a person. You see them complain and complain and complain and complain. But here we're told that we need to do what we can to help others. Don't complain about it. Don't cause disputes about it. Leadership are active in the church. Also, we need leaders and Christians who respond to the word of God. Unfortunately, this needs to be said. Unfortunately, we have people who are not responding to the word of God. 
And that's going to cause everything to fall apart for us there. We see in James uh, chapter 1, there James, that great book, tells us to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. You know, you can deceive yourself. You can talk yourself into a world of trouble. Say, I'm going to church and I'm hearing the word of God. But then you look from Monday through Saturday, you're not doing what God would have you to do. You're not doers, you're only hearers. We see in 2 Corinthians, Paul writing to those Christians in that first century, encouraging them. He tells them, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We just don't see ourselves as Christians. We should be walking as Christians also, doing the things that we need to do, responding to what God would have us to do in the New Testament, continuing to grow. Also, we know that we would... In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 46, we see uh, Jesus talking about this very thing. And he uses a, uh, an example of somebody crying, Lord, Lord. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We've all met somebody like that. Maybe we've seen that in ourselves. We like to talk about Christianity. We're not doing the things that a Christian should do. Jesus warned us about that in Luke chapter 6. We want to consider ourselves this morning. Are you responding to the word of God? When you hear these scriptures, is it touching your heart? Are you hearing things that you need to change in your life? Those are the things that leaders need to do. Respond to the word of God. You know, I always tell you how much I enjoy uh, preaching. Every time I get a lesson together, there's some verse or two or three or four about new things I haven't considered. That's why I encourage you all to take on a class or do something. It encourages you to study scriptures a little closer. And that's a great thing to have going on in your life. That's why I like uh, these opportunities to preach. It helps me, and I hope it's helping you. Now we want to ask ourselves, as we said, are you contributing to the leadership of this church? Are you doing the things you need to do to cause this church to continue to grow? One thing you can do is by caring. We talked about that, Luke 13. Here we have Jesus caring about Jerusalem and the coming problem that was about to hit them. Luke 13, verse 34, Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. As a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. See your house is left to the desolate. And surely I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We can do a whole lesson on Jesus and the great care he showed for people that he came in contact with. Many were not Christians. Many were not even Jews. Jesus came in contact with them. You can see the great care and love for them. We need to have that also. We talked about encouraging those. And are you encouraging Christians? Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Exhort one another daily, While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
You ever thought about that? Not doing the things that you should be doing. Encouraging other Christians. Your heart can become calloused and hard. And you can be deceived by sin itself. We need to continue to encourage people. Again, we need to promote unity here at this place. 1 Corinthians 1, there reading in verse 10, Plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you perfectly join together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Join together perfectly. Many of you carpenters can relate to that. A perfect joint. Everything cut nice and straight, and it all comes together. That's how a Christian church should be. Joined together perfectly, as it says in 1 Corinthians. All of us need to continue to be active. James in chapter 1, they're reading in verse 22. Again we read, but we do doers of the word, not hearers only. Continuing on, <clears throat> verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. But he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in all that he does. James chapter 1 talking about being active in the church. We all need to help the leaders here with that. Also, we all need to respond to the word of God. And we want you to consider yourself this morning, there in the last chapter of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus speaking to those before he ascends to heaven. He said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who is not believe will be condemned. Well, these are five things that we all need to consider in our lives. All five things that we need to do to help this church in this great time of need here in 2020. We need people who care about others. We need people who are willing to encourage others as Christians. We need people who are wanting to promote unity, not promote divisions. We need people who are active, doing things for the cause of Christ. Of course, we need people who respond to the word of God. That's where we'll end this sermon this morning. Have you responded to the word of God? Maybe you've yet to call Jesus Christ your Savior. You need to come forward and be baptized with him, buried with him as a Christian. Come up a new creature in Christ Jesus. Maybe you need to be encouraged this morning. Not living your life the way you should. You need the prayers and help and encouragement of the congregation. We ask you to come forward. Whatever your need may be, come forward as together we stand and sing.